0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast.
1: There should be an intangible special something about us, about people who know God. And the God I wish that people knew is a God who wants to guide us. There are people out there who don't believe in God. There are people out there who believe in a God who created us and then has left us to fend for ourselves. We were a Petri dish experiment, and all of a sudden, oop, a man, a woman, oop, okay, leave him alone now. Now God spun the world on its axis and said, you're on your own, everybody. I got other things to do. But as we look at our playbook, the Bible, we find that God hasn't left us alone. Listen, if you don't hear me say anything else today, please hear this from my heart to you. You are not alone. You're not on your own. Proverbs 3, 6, God makes a promise and he says, I will make your paths, what? What's straight? I, I, will, I will make them. He creates our roadway. He creates our, our path. And it's up to us to make right choices. Uh, Rick Warren says that we make our choices, then our choices make us we make our choices, then our our choices make us. And if the greatest commandment is to love God and the second is to love your neighbor, we must know God. And that's the God I wish our world knew, a God that's worth loving, a God that loves through us as he loves other people. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If we see God as a God of resistance, There may be stuff that we need to drill down into our souls to find out why do we believe God would resist us. Or if we had angry parents or we had an absentee father or didn't even know our father, we could somehow transfer that into our relationship with God and believe that God's absentee for us too. So whatever it is that we think about or what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And you can kind of process that all week long if you want to. Historians tell us a story about a time when Rome was conquering Israel, and they were not only taking land, but taking homes and taking cattle and and sheep. And on one particular day, this little nine-year-old Jewish boy with lots of chutzpah took his finger into the chest of a Roman soldier and said, "Uh, sir, I believe you have some of my sheep. And uh, he said, look at that pen over there. There's over 3,000 sheep in the pen. Uh, I don't know which ones could be yours. Just, just go about your business. The boy was persistent. He said, Oh, wait a minute. Um, if I stand up on that gate right there and I call them my sheep and all 113 of them come, can I have them? And he called his older soldier friends together and said, oh, This little boy's here. He's bothering me, but he wants to do this thing. He wants to call the sheep. And. And so let's see what happens. And not being shepherds, these soldiers didn't understand about sheep knowing the shepherd's voice. And he got up on the f- gate and he pulled out his tin whistle and he started playing, you know, another one bites the dust. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we are the champions again. Anyway, and so pretty soon, uh, he puts down the tin whistle and he just says, oh! One by one, the sheep stopped grazing and they started coming to the gate. And with about four minutes, 113 sheep appeared. And the Roman soldier said, I, I will keep to my word. And opened the gate, and the little nine-year-old boy walked down the trail, and all of his sheep followed him. And his head was held up high, man. And his chest was out big. And I thought about that story, and here's what comes to mind. It's Jesus telling us in John 10, 27, and uh, let's read it together. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they, I know who they are. That little boy knew every one of his 113 sheep. But even if he couldn't pick them out in a pen of 3,000, he said, my sheep listened to me. They, They knew that whistle, they knew his sound, and they came running to him. I think God wants us to live in such a way that we know his voice. The God I wish Santa Barbara County knew is a God that that could speak and we could hear him. When uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he says something to this effect. He said, our God is a God that isn't like a mute idol. He's not like a carved out rock. Our God still speaks. And I know there's a lot of controversy about what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it because I'm assured of it, that, that our God today in 2018 still speaks to people. He still whispers. He still gives us impressions. He still gives us thought. and He still gives us creative genius. He pulls us back when we get too close to the edge. We call it our conscience, but He speaks to us through the conscience. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through people around us. And hopefully, He will speak to us today. Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. What a great promise. And I will counsel you with my, what? My loving eye on you. We'll talk about that in a moment. Do not be like the horse or the mule. (laughs) That's all I'm going to, I'm leaving that alone. Which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. See, God says, I don't want a relationship with you in which we don't communicate. I don't want you just to ask me for stuff. That's prayer. But I want you to listen to me because prayer is two way communication. Be still and know that I'm God. No that I am God. Why would he say that if when all the apostles died, he killed the ability to know him? Be still and know that I am God. Listen to my voice. Why would Jesus say, my sheep know my voice? Wouldn't he have said, my sheep know my voice as long as the New Testament church is here? And once the New Testament church ceases to exist, or we go to the book of Revelation and say amen, then all sheep who follow me will never get to hear me again. Why doesn't he tell us that? Why doesn't he prophesy that in 2018 God will be silent and we will just have to fend for ourselves? And some would say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. These Bible scholars would say this. We we, we have these words. These, These are God's words. Yes. And he has the ability to speak this word from There to here and from then to now and speak it to our souls and we go to read this word and the word actually reads us. But the beauty is, and you can write this down in your first point, is the God I wish you knew wants to guide us with his eyes. Have you ever been led with somebody's eyes? Come on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife Debbie has the ability with her eyes to say it's time to go. Or Or Bernie, you're talking too much. Yeah, I remember years ago, some lady out front said, it must be just incredible to be married to him. (laughs) And Debbie said, yes, it is. And and I spoke up and I said, oh, are you kidding me? Uh, You know, sometimes it's, uh, you talk too much, she lets me know with her eyes. Sometimes it's the accompaniment of the foot (laughs) under the table or the elbow, you know, oh, don't go there you know, sometimes I don't have my filter on. Anybody else like me? Come on. Yeah, you left your filter somewhere and you need to get one back. But wouldn't it be great if we could follow the, the the nudging of the Holy Spirit just by looking at his eyes? By the way, in order to do this, you have to seek his face and not just his hands. His hands as God, give me, bless me, protect me, protect my kids. That's Seek his hands. But to seek his face, to look into his glory, to say, Lord, I, I want to follow after you. See, See, do you realize that God desires to guide your life? This is a good question, because the God I wish everybody knew is a God who guides us. And do you desire to listen for God in everything that you do? Everything? Yeah. Lord, is there anything about this meeting I'm about to go into that I need to know about? Is there anything about me as I go into this exchange, Lord? in about five minutes, I'm going to walk into the door after a bad day. Is there anything I need to think about, Lord? Anything I need to leave in the car before I come into the house? Come on. Lord, I'm on my way to church. How about this one? Is there somebody today, as we walk in or during greeting time, or as we leave? Is there someone today that you want me to go speak to? Is there a gift that you want me to bring? Is there something that you want me to do? See, that's the kind of life that I believe God calls us to, where we listen to his voice. The next thing is the God I I wish you knew guides us with his scriptures. My friend, um, Pastor Wayne Cadero, some of you know him. He's been here before. He's going to be coming uh, and being here on uh, Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, the end of March. Uh, Easter is on April Fool's this year, and I'm not going for low-hanging fruit like "Oh, no fooling! He is risen." That's kind of a dumb theme. We're not doing that, but uh, but no fooling! He's risen. And uh, uh, but but my friend Wayne loves horses, and when he was on the island of Oahu, which was his primary residence, I mean he he rode horses a lot. And then when he uh, moved part time to Eugene, Oregon, where he oversees a a church up there and Bible college up there as well, uh, he started to learn how to train horses. He actually trained under Monty Roberts, Flag is Up Farms, uh, the horse whisperer. And so uh, he's trained horses. And so I, I, I asked him one time, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the, the, the bit and the bridle, You know uh, how horses are trained? And uh, what I know about horses is this, they're bigger than me, And even though they're only one horsepower, they're a lot stronger than one horsepower. That that much I know. And if you ride them anywhere near the barn, they may want to go to the barn. And I was out once on a a ranch, out 246, and uh, the horse didn't really want to carry me around. Uh, Big horse, big horse, didn't want to carry around this big guy. And I got near shot of the barn, and it didn't matter. This did not work. Whoa, Nellie did not work. They said its name is not Nellie, but it didn't work. And uh, it had a mind of its own. But here's what Wayne says You have to understand that the goal of restraint is not to restrain the horse, but to somehow transfer the external choice of the trainer into the internal choice of the horse. It's a transference. I'm your owner, and I want you to do something. So I begin to restrain you early on, but not for restraint, not to bind you up, but to somehow have the choice of the trainer become the internal choice of the horse. The goal is to have your choice eventually become the horse's own choice. Otherwise, that horse may resist you all the way. The result of that transfer is the trainer's choice becoming the horse's choice, that it helps to birth a freedom, a mutual trust, and a closeness between the owner or the rider and the horse that could never have been there any other way, whether it's a bit, a bridle, a halter, or a rope. Now, the greatest restraint system is, is the Word of God. It restrains us. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is is God breathed, just like God breathed into dirt and became a man, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and let's just say this horse training or sheep training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. The success of a team today partly is going to rely not only on the skill of the players, but on the playbook and how the coach decides to call what play at what time. Now, if I owned an NFL team, I'm just going to give you a secret how to win games. I would would get me a 6'8", 300-pound, 380-pound lineman, and I would keep him on the bench for one thing only. When you're on the two yard line or the one yard line, I'd turn him into a refrigerator Perry. That was one of the most brilliant things. He was like, oh, look at that big fat guy. But man, when he had that ball, all he did was do this for two yards. A couple times he did a little dance at the end zone, you know. <laughs> I, I, and there's been teams before, has there not, that have been on the one yard line. I know what we'll do. Let's go for a big bomb pass. Like, that's really smart. No, give it to the biggest dude you have and tell him, don't drop the ball. Put your head down and go and go nuts. We had some you know football fanatics in the first day. They, they were, yeah, yeah, that's right, man. You know, some big brothers. They were the, that's right, you know. The greatest playbook of all, of course, for us, is the Bible itself. It's the playbook. And there are some false gospels out there that say you can follow Jesus, but at the same time you can reject the Bible. There are actually places called churches that have rewritten the text to say whatever they want to say about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And they've taken the Ten Commandments and modified them. Can you imagine? We have a modified Ten Commandments at our church. Can you imagine that? Thou shalt not lie unless, modified. Thou shalt not commit adultery unless, modified. Are, Are you kidding me? So I, I don't want to you know, drill down into that, but you're, you're smart. You got it. We, we can modify it. It's a false gospel that says you can live however you want to live. And especially in the moment, because after all, God understands your feelings. So if you're feeling a certain thing at a certain time, it's okay, because you're under grace. Just do what you want to do. But see, we're not people of California. We're not people of the United States. Sorry. We are first and foremost people of the kingdom of God that has a king named Jesus, and we're supposed to follow his domain, his, the king's domain, the kingdom, and we're supposed to believe that all scripture is God-breathed. He, he breathes life into them just like he does us, but I have to say, it's easy to follow people. Now, years ago in high school, you would have this, this would be hard for you to believe that, that I used to be kind of a jokester and, and a little... <laughs> I know it's hard for you to be, some of you don't know me very well. (laughs) But I would get with with Greg, and I would get with Dave, and I would get with Jeff, and I would get with Steve, and we did stuff. It was crazy. Like on Monday, we would say, okay, guys, let's make up a word, just a word that doesn't exist in the English language, and use it everywhere we go, and see how many students on Friday are using that same word. And it was fascinating. Fascinating. Or, or we would have Greg, he would come over here and he would lean over like this, like he's getting a drink of water at the fountain. And then Jeff and, and Dave and Steve and myself, we would all stand there. And pretty soon we'd create this line. There was no fountain. Or we'd go in the schoolyard and go, oh, wow, dude, look. Look, and Steve would come, what, what, what are you looking at? Oh, do you see it? Yeah, I see it, Greg. Oh, wow, I see it. Pretty soon all these other students came and we said... You guys see it? And all of them said, yeah, we see it. There was nothing there in the sky. So we are creatures that follow. Now, I'm not promoting this particular person in this video that we're going to see, yet um, a lot of his, his, his videos have to do with how we blindly follow leaders, even spiritual leaders. But again, I'm not promoting, even though his name's all over this video, I'm not promoting the dude,
0: but I like the video. So take a look. People often blindly follow authority figures, but will they blindly follow an authority figure into traffic simply because they say it's okay? It's all right, we we can cross. It's good. Notice the woman blindly following me, just assuming that it's okay when you can clearly see the sign says, don't cross. It's okay, we can cross. Notice those girls were standing there obeying the rules until I simply said it's okay. Look at the sign. It says don't cross. We can cross. Let's go. This woman actually thanked me as she blindly followed my lead. Don't worry about what the signs say. Um, just just go. do it. Do what I do. Just go. Yeah, okay. okay. Thanks. All right, cross. Oh, no, hold on. Notice how they immediately followed my lead, but I had to stop them so that nobody got hit by a car. Okay, we can cross. Time and time again, the sheep kept following the leader without thinking for themselves. Let's see if she'll do it a second time. All right, we can cross, come on. Yep. Sometimes I didn't even need to verbally say it was okay. I just crossed and the people would follow my lead. I estimate about 50% of the people followed my lead without checking or thinking for themselves. It's okay, We we can cross. When if I wasn't there, they simply would have stood there waiting until the crosswalk changed. It's okay, we can cross, come on. Notice this car is trying to turn and if the driver wasn't paying attention, we could have easily gotten hit. This just demonstrates the herd mentality, and that people will follow the leader without thinking for themselves, even if that leader will lead them right into traffic.
1: True? Oh, by the way, whether it's me or anybody else, don't do everything we say. You, you check it with the word. You, you, right? Remember what mom said? If everybody jump off a cliff, you jump off a cliff. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because my mom said it more with an Italian accent, you know. Hey, that what did you, know, right? Would you do it because everybody else is doing it? It is an interesting that a lot of times we used to call it peer pressure. But Psalm 32, 8 again, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should, you should go. The, the God I wish you knew guides us through the Holy Spirit. Acts 20, verse 22. I, I love this verse because Paul the apostle who loved the church at Ephesus, his favorite church, says, I feel compelled by the spirit that I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. There's a risk element in this verse, but there's that word compelled. There was something of the Holy Spirit working in him. And the first thing that you have to do, you have to do this to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You have to change your mind. You have to change your thinking. That's why later in Ephesians, he will say, let the Spirit change your way of thinking. Have you ever been compelled by the Holy Spirit? When was the last time that happened? How does he compel us? It could be an impulse. Uh, You need need to check on Joe. You need to check on Steve. You need to check on Susie. You need to check on, you know, Betty. You need to check on whoever it might be. Uh, I'm busy. No, 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 follow those leads. I can't tell you how many times um, people have just randomly reached out to me and they don't know what's going on in my life, but I get that random text or that random phone call or that, that, that random email and it's, hey, thinking about you, prayed for you this morning, don't know why. I'm just saying, God, thank you. And the timing couldn't be more incredible. It couldn't be more timely. See, when was the last time you felt compelled by the Holy Spirit? I mean, a quick, uh, overview of the Holy Spirit of God. We learn about him in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and it's formless and empty, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the unknown, chaotic world. And the next time we hear about the Spirit of God, He's He's given the Holy Spirit to artists that are working on the tabernacle, and the Spirit of God was given for specific purposes to specific people. And you can read all about the Holy Spirit's moving, and then Jesus says. It's important for me to go because if I leave this planet, then the Holy Spirit can come to you. While I'm God in the flesh, you know, I'm just one place at one time, but I want to extend the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we all know this thing that we have in our car, it's a cluster of gauges or lights or, or a little computer thing that says, um, tire pressure's low or oil pressure's low or fuel low, fuel low, fuel low. You have an option. Um, you can go to the gas station and put fuel in, or you can run out of gas on the highway. It's your option, right? Um, if your oil pressure is low, you can simply take it to a service station or uh, a dealer, or if you're mechanically inclined, you stop the car, check the dipstick, and go, oh, my gosh, it's oil is low, and, and find out what the problem is. And, or you can simply drive the car on no oil, Last time I checked in my Chilton's mechanic manual or my Hot Rod magazine, it says, Thou shalt not drive your car without oil. I mean, it's just simple, right? Um, or you can do this. You can go to the trunk and you can take out that little handle that you put in the jack. Most people don't know how to do this, but a little handle that turns a jack or a little tire iron. You do the lug wrenching. Take that thing and just beat the gauge to death. Just beat it. today. The- Eventually, your fuel light will not say low fuel. Your oil pressure reading will not. And if you beat it up, you got one of those computerized things, you check your oil. Just, just do this for about 20 minutes. Right? Now you go, that is the silliest thing, Pastor. I mean, really? We got out of bed to hear that. But don't we do that? And the Holy Spirit compels us to love someone or to be generous or to, to sign up to serve or maybe to help our kids' ministry or, or, or to, to reach out to your neighbor or to, to love the boss you don't love. <laughs> okay. To be loving towards the boss you don't <laughs> love, right? Right? Or what about this whisper, men? Married men, what about this whisper? Pay attention to your wife today. Why? What? Because she needs you. What for? I told her I loved her when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let her know. What, 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 what? Ladies, pay attention to your husband. Well, why? Because he needs you. Well, if he needs me, he'll ask me. He won't, he's stubborn. He never asked for directions. Why would he ask you for help? (laughs) In his vernacular, it's a sign of weakness. He doesn't want to tell you he's broken inside. Well, if he didn't tell me, Lord, that's his fault. You you say that long enough, listen, you won't hear his voice anymore. Now, so we say, well, oh, that's good. I'm not married. He didn't talk about me. No, listen, I got something for you, too. your friend, your friend needs you. And and God, by the Holy Spirit, brings their face to your mind or their name to your mind, and you can ignore the compelling of the Holy Spirit, and eventually he'll find someone else to talk to. You don't want, listen, I pray this all the time, Lord, Lord, I pray your blessing on every church in Lompoc. I pray your blessing on chapel out of the base. I, I pray your blessing on every church in Santa Barbara County. God, may they be filled with your spirit. But may you not have to go to another church because we won't open to you. Got had a night of prayer other tonight. Fabulous time. Just being with people in here. Just praying, asking God to touch, touch you. People were actually walking through the rows praying on chairs. By the way, they're not filling the chairs. Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill this chair. No, they're praying for the people. They're praying for you before you got here. I just, i it was just so cool. and People were praying together. We had communion together. And, and I don't ever want to stop being that kind of church or that kind of person or that kind of husband or dad or grandpa that just this Holy Spirit, you got to go find somebody else because I'm, I'm just going to beat all the gauges, right? Like To death. You got it? You don't want the Holy Spirit to go find someone else. See, everyone can be guided and counseled and compelled by the Spirit of God compelled to reach out, to send a text, to speak a word, to pray, to give, to buy somebody a meal, to just love on somebody. The people, uh, the God I wish you knew guides us through his people. Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the, the better your chances. So yes, it's football and the playbook matters, but so does the selection of the people on the team. You've got to have the right people. You've got to have the best coach, the best playbook, and the best hype. But if you don't have the right players on your bench to go to, then you have a problem. It's like casting in a movie. Alfred Hitchcock once said that 90% of a movie's success hinges on the right casting. The wrong players. Just think of some of your favorite movies and change other actors into those roles. It doesn't work, you know. Could you could you imagine like you know Mel Gibson? They could take our lives, you know. Put Rodney Dangerfield in that. Get <laughs> hey, hey, those respect. I mean, come on. Just, just think about it. I mean, think about the, 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 the roles the the, the 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 late Robin Williams played. You know, wasn't he in Goodwill Hunting? you're uh, in Dead Poets Society. <laughs> Lean in, boys. Someday you'll be food for the worms. I mean, that, you saw the movie uh, Dead Poets. Think about that. So you've got to get the cast together for your life. Who's going to speak in your life? It was a while back we did a series on friendship. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who gets to speak into your life? Uh, who do you read? Who do you listen to? What do you watch? All of that. Now, in the remaining minutes, that sermon's done. Now we have a little class on making choices. And I'm going to use real quick in the remaining minutes uh, some of Bill Hybels' book called The Power of a Whisper*, in which this pastor of one of the uh, the strongest churches in America who's just uh, given given the baton to another group of leaders now, uh, Bill Hybels, South Barrington, Illinois, Small church of 28,000 people, Uh, leadership network, leadership summit, huge. You know, 150,000 locations every year on a simulcast. just crazy. But here's what Bill Heibel said, and I think it's good. As I look back on my journey thus far, I realize that God's low volume whispers have saved me from a life of boredom and self destruction. His well timed words have redirected my path, rescued me from temptation and re-energize me during some of the deepest moments of despair in my life. So get this down, write this down, save this, put this in the file called when I've got to make a big decision, okay? And some of you, without raising your hand, you, you're making some big decisions coming up. I, I've got a few that I'm making as well. So, so this, is, this is good for us, okay? The first one is, is the prompting truly from God. The first filter is to simply ask God... Is this message truly from you? And then take the time necessary to listen. Does this sound like God? Does this sound like what God sounds like? Get rid of the voices in your head and try to listen to God. The second thing is, is it scriptural? And this is important to us because if all scripture is God breathed and given for correction and teaching and, 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 and to make us capable of doing every good work, then we have to ask the question, does it feel like the scriptures? Does it sound like the scriptures? Do I have verses that, 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 that connect with this? I can't tell you how many people every year tell me a story about things like, um, God told me to quit school with a semester left. I, I can't, I can't, really? You're a semester away from your master's and you didn't finish? Or you've got a full-ride scholarship and... You, you went three-quarters of the way, and you're not going to... I mean, I'm sorry. My Jewish soul cannot handle that. <laughs> I can't. By the way, I need to, need to explain to you, because I, I used the term Jewish once, and a lady didn't know. and, and I was raised in the Jewish faith, so that, that's why I said that. I, I can't handle it. You would throw that kind of opportunity away. Or the person that said, this is a true story, an LFC story. God told me to leave my wife so I could be happy. And I said to the dude, um, excuse me? Is she like committing adultery on you? Did she kill people and bury them in the backyard? Or No. I heard the Holy Spirit say, he wants me happy. And then I heard God say, it's okay to leave your wife. Does that line up with scripture? Hello? Okay. Um, God told me I could steal from my company because they don't pay me what I'm worth. And the Bible says a workman is worthy of his hire. No, don't laugh. Next time that person comes, I'm going to have them talk to you, you know, God told me to quit my job and trust him. I have a wife and four kids. I have no other source of income, but I'm waiting on the Lord. By the way, can you help me with my mortgage? Uh, that does not bode well with my Jewish soul. (laughs) How many marriages have been destroyed, educations foregone, bank accounts blown, all because someone felt sanctioned by God to do a particular thing. And whenever I sense a prompting from God, I always ask myself, could I imagine Jesus doing this? Not what would Jesus do, what did he do? Would he do this? If he were married, would he leave his wife because he wasn't happy? I mean, is that the Jesus that we know? Would he drain his bank account and not leave anything for his family? Is that the Jesus that we know? Um, Galatians 5, 16 to 26, I encourage you to read that passage. We won't take time now. Next time you have a big decision to make. Messages that contradict scripture are not from God. Can we say amen? Yeah. The third thing, is it wise? Jesus was fond of telling his followers to be wise. The entire book of Proverbs is devoted to unpacking the attributes and dissecting wisdom itself. For example, in Proverbs, the wise one loves knowledge while the fool hates it. The wise one practices gentle speech while the fool uses harsh speech. The wise one lives blamelessly while the fool is utterly corrupt. The wise one follows a straight path while the fool rejoices in the perverseness of evil. I mean, there are a lot of people today that say, you know what? I can live however I want to live because freedom. And they're living a way of life called bondage. Just watch for a while. You'll see it. Or how about this when it comes to a wise decision? A young couple is buying their first house, and uh, they love this one that they just saw. They, they saw it yesterday. They are just pumped up about this house. There's a limited inventory of homes for sale right now in Santa Barbara County, and especially in Lompoc, and so they saw this house. It was only 65000 above their budget, and if, no offense to any realtors here. No offense. I'm, I'm talking about realtors in Argentina, not in California. <laughs> And the reader leaned in and said, you know what? You better put an offer on it. It's getting multiple offers and it won't be here long. And she's already hook, line, and sinker emotionally involved in this house. She can see her kids living in the bedrooms. She can see where she's going to put the clock. I mean, she's got it all dialed in. And it has a hot tub. (laughs) There's cabinets in the garage for all his stuff. Would it be why? Would you? Would you? Encourage them to go 65 grand above their budget? (laughs) Some of you have done that. (laughs) Would you encourage them? Hmm. Is it wise? I mean, sit with other people that that know the way you're about to go and ask them questions. Another couple comes and says to Pastor B, Hey, we want to get married. (laughs) You've been to our premarital class? No, we we know everything we need to know. How long have you been together? Well, four months, but only dating for two. But we're in love. (laughs) Yeah, and then they get mad because I won't marry them. Would you want me to? It's not in my contract. I don't have to marry anybody. Do you know that? I don't have to bury anybody or marry anybody. Thank God. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, wouldn't you want to marry him? No. You know, come back in one year. When real life is done, come on. So don't believe that God throws wisdom out the windows. God's direction rarely violates the wisdom test. It might include a risk test. You know, Paul says, I feel compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't even know what's going to happen there. There's risk involved. But he felt compelled. And it was in line number four or in tune with his own character. So number four says, you know, one of my my favorite filters for verifying the direction of God. Is this part of my wiring? Does this fit who I am? My experiences in my my life? If if I heard the voice of the Lord said, go pilot an airplane today. um, It doesn't fit my wiring. I've flown in planes, but I've never piloted one. It would be stupid of me to think, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Your praise will never be... On my lip, and I just pull back on the yoke and take off. Are you kidding me? I think I could take off. I know I couldn't land. That might be a problem. But at some point, I'm gonna run out of fuel, but hey, I got an answer to that. Okay, moving on. What do the people that you most trust think about it? If you have to make a decision in the dark and you're afraid to tell those people that know the Lord. Those godly people in your life, if you're afraid, then you're probably not supposed to do it. You ever had a friend of yours come to you and say, guess what I'm doing? They've already made the decision, and they left you in the dark? They didn't want to hear you because they knew you would challenge them. So pay attention to that. Now, how do you keep your life from never hitting... The golden screen and ending up in a DVD bin. You got to follow the voice of God. You have to follow the direction of the word and follow the direction that godly people will give you in those times where you don't know what to do. Listen, the God I wish everybody knew is a God who still guides us and leads us today.
0: Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.